Hello and welcome to the pep talk with your two favorite bald frauds, Sam and Jason. Coming at you after the first game of the Premier League season, a nice 3-0 win to, against Burnley. How you feeling, Jason? Good, good. You know, it's always good to start the season with a win. First game opener, cinematic opener of the Premier League, as they say. <laughs> um, but no, it was very, very good to see us get, get off to the races nice and early. 3-0. You can't ask for much better than that. So, I'm good. I'm in good spirits. Um, watched United this morning and they look dog shit, which is just good. They still look as bad as they always do. Um, not very impressed at all. Like, I, I thought Wolves would be a, um, you know, relegation contender this season. Um, but they, I, I think they deserved more than a point. They probably deserved the win today. Yeah. I mean, United looked honestly like worse than they did at the end of last season because they looked like they were you know they started out awful last year and then they started to get it together and then they sort of dropped off a little bit and then it looks like they've kind of regressed a little more I don't know like nobody on that team really impresses me a whole lot yeah they've got they've they've got talent there's a couple players that talent like Rashford and Bruno etc where I think they're good players, Casemiro. They've got good players. They're, they're just collectively, you just look at them and you go, meh. <laughs> that's that's the feeling that I get when I see them. Um, and then you watch them, you watch them today, and yeah, nothing impressive. The tactics weren't really impressive either. Like, like I said, Wolves are considered to me a, a relegation contender. They've lost a lot of players. You know, they just uh, lost their coach like three days ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they've they've, lo- they've lost. I think uh, there was a stat on 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 Sky Sports where it's like they lost five of their players that have played the most games in the last two seasons or something like that. You know, with Neves gone and yeah. a few others. Jimenez, Jimenez. Like they've lost so many players. So for them to put up that performance away at Old Trafford is so much more impressive than anything United showed in the game. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And then and 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 that last penalty call or missed penalty call, which VAR has or well, the PGMOL has already um admitted that it was a mistake. So yeah, enough about United. They can get fucked. <laughs> yeah, fuck them. All right. Uh, let's move on to Burnley. Uh, what? So let's start with the lineup. What did you think? Because it was a it was a really weird lineup, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it was very surprising. So we all, I think, a lot of people knew Diaz would be out um, prior to the game. There was there was rumors that he had a concussion and that he'd he'd missed the game. Um, but what was surprising was the Stones. So Stones had a what we call like a niggle or a small injury. Um, so he missed the game as well. So that naturally changes your entire back line, um, which which is something that we brought up the other day, which was which is a really good point when we're talking about our defense and how solid it is is that no matter the makeshift of the defense, we're always going to be confident because there's such a good back line. Like, you know, of the seven players that we have in that back line and, and eight, including Laporte, um, you know, you, you're confident with whoever, whoever Pep puts out there. And, and I think that combination of four players, um, so Lewis, Akanji, Ake, and Walker, as a combination, like as, as, a, as a full set of a back line, that is probably our worst combination that we can put together if i like try to 
you know, mix and mash plays in and out because it's not as natural as you'd want it to be with the way the style that we've been playing, um, especially with Lewis shifting to left back and, you know, you end up with Walker, which is a tra- traditional right back. Um, and then you, with Akanji and Ake, obviously for me, Stones, Diaz and probably Gavardio are going to be our strongest centre-backs this season. Um, you kind of lose a little bit, but, but it shows the quality that we have in, in our back line that even with that lineup, we're, we were, I was still going into the game confident. I was just like, yeah, I'm still confident, you know, this City back line, and no, no matter the mashup, and that was, like I said, the worst mashup, then it's, it's still fine. So happy days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like Rico just being Rico. Like he's just, he's kind of the toolkit player. Like he, he can he play anywhere. Yeah. We need him. yeah, he just plays where we need him to play. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's similar uh, to Foden in that way, right? He's similar to Foden, where like Foden, Pep uses Foden as his player that he can play a left wing, right wing, false nine, midfielder, attacking midfielder. And then you got Lewis as the same thing, but in the back line. So left back, defensive midfielder, right back, whatever, wherever you need him, just put him he somewhere. Can, he can play the eight. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just put him anywhere. He'll be right. <laughs> yeah. His, yeah. So. You know, Rico, he had some bumps, but he, he was he was good and left back. Clean sheet, like you said, like Ake, Akanji, Walker, like you you know you're there's a baseline there. I think that's what I like, is you know there's a baseline of they're they're not gonna put in any shockers, right? Like yep, they're not exactly exactly at least with with these guys, like with Ake and Akanji is like you know they're always solid. They might have an amazing game from time to time, but they're not gonna. They're not gonna have any shockers of games, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just like you said. Our our defense was so solid. The back line, even though it looked weird when you first see it, yeah. Uh, when you first see the, you know, the team sheet, that plus like the defense needed to be solid just because of how chaotic like the uh, lineup was up top. Yeah. I- I was more surprised up top, to be honest. So, Alvar- so we've, I don't think we've ever seen Alvarez, Kevin De Bruyne, Foden, and Haaland all start the same game. Did that ever happen last season? I can't recall it, it ever happening. It happened against Burnley in the FA Cup, I believe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we went, we went to the same strategy basically, which is which is indicative of how Pep likes to manage, right? He just swaps in in and out players based on who we're playing, right, and based on how what tactics he needs to play. Yeah. Typical Pep, right? So, for me, that that was probably my biggest surprise. I never expect Alvarez. Like, and, and I guess maybe this is what Pep's trying to do with Alvarez, right? He's trying to find him a spot while playing the other best players in Kevin De Bruyne and Haaland um, because he's naturally so good. And we need to play him a lot, a lot of minutes this season, I think. Yeah, I think, like, Kevin is, like, or it, at least with the, with a lineup like this and especially with Alvarez, I think Alvarez is just kind of forcing him to play this good. Like, clearly Alvarez, like, Pep loves him, and he's mm-hmm. forced his way into the team to a point where Pep, like, Pep's like, look, I can't keep him out. He's he's just too good. And I think now it's Pep trying to figure out, like you said, like, how to make all of these guys play together. And... I think it's going to be a fun little tug of war to see all season. And I think it's especially interesting that he puts out these chaotic front lines against teams that press us high and that, and that man press us. Mm -hmm. Like 
it was the same type of thing against Arsenal. It was very similar to Arsenal last year. And it's like you put out these chaotic lineups against the the kind of pep style teams in a way. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It, and and you know when we talk a bit about the game, we kind of even the tactics we went we went long a lot this game. You know to go over that press. You know Edison was basically shooting a lot of long balls to to Haaland or Alvarez. Um, and I guess especially in the second half. Yeah. yeah, and and we'll talk about it in a bit, but the, the first half was a lot more sloppy than the second half. I feel like we played a lot better in the second half, even though we scored more goals in the first half. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, so, yeah, let's start with the first half. I think pre-De Bruyne injury, we we looked pretty solid, right? Like everything was kind of working Ticking as a along, yeah. Every, yeah, everybody knew where we're they attacking. were. Yep. Yeah, it, it was it, it worked well. It worked well. Yeah. And, and then, then Holland. <laughs> yeah. And then Holland just like Holland is just like, I feel like everybody just kind of forgot about him this summer. Like, <laughs> like all of the, all of the talking heads just like, uh, it seems like they think it's not going to happen again. Or like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, he scored 36 goals last year, whatever. Like it, it's almost I don't know. It's kind of like City I mean, it, in general, where City's so good that yeah. people are bored of how good they are. It, it's <laughs> to, like that's how Holland is. To, to be honest, I, I if you asked me a month ago, I was thinking maybe he'll have a, a dip, but not like a – I didn't expect him to score 20 goals. I still expect him to score like maybe 30 plus, but not, not break the records like he did last season because last season he started the season so hot and then he had – People adjusted to him and he slowed down a little bit. So I'm like, maybe he won't start hot again. And and obviously because the way we play and I was thinking Kevin De Bruyne injury and he came back and now he's injured again. So it kind of defeats my, my point where I'm, what I'm talking there. But I thought he, he might not get the service that he was always getting last season because especially in that early part of the season, we were just going gun-ho to, to Haaland. He was just scoring hat-trick after hat-trick. Um, but... He's, he's off to the races already. He's got two goals. Two goals in, what, 36 minutes to start the first half? <laughs> and absolutely, yeah, it, <laughs> that second goal was a banger. Jeez. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you guys had it on your commentary, but on ours, like, one thing they said while it was happening is that was interesting is that, like, he took a step back so that he could get a better shot before the ball was passed to him. So if you look at him... He actually takes a step back, so he's ready for one a one-time shot, like just a one, one-touch hit. But he like just to give himself the better angle and the better kind of shooting position. He steps back before Alvarez even passes it to him, getting ready for the shot, which yeah, he, was he's, like brilliant. He's such an instinctive um, striker in the box. He, he he's. <sighs> He's probably the best I've seen in the box when it comes to finishing. Like his his ability to know where to be, and then and then to follow up with a technique with his shot is just second to none in that penalty box. Like, it, it, and the only we, thing we, I've seen close to it is Messi. Yeah, and me and you have had these conversations. We we literally have like a five to ten minute segment talking every, about Harlan. Nearly every single podcast we did to up to the run-up last season to up until we finished the season. And every week, we're just like, how good was fucking Harlan? <laughs> how good was that movement? How good was that goal? He just... 
you enjoy watching players like that. I, I think, and then you know, <laughs> I remember me in the summer. I was saying like the the summer window. I was just like, man, I just want to start. I just want the season to start. I want to see Harlem banging some goals. Like that's 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 this is what you live for as a football fan. So. For me, just to see him do that, you know, straight away, three minutes, first goal. I'm like, yep, we're back. <laughs> Season started already. Yeah, and you know what? What I think is going to be better about him is it's another season where everybody's used to him. Like last year, mm. I felt like he could have even scored more because it was like they would miss opportunities to get the ball to him and stuff like that. Now they're used to him. He's used to playing in the system. You can... You can see he's more confident, like on the ball, dropping a little deeper, making passes. Like he'll get the ball and he can like launch a counterattack himself. Pep, pep second and, season as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So his all around game is going to improve, and that's going to even get him to score more goals. I think so. Um, yeah, and yeah, Pep knows I mean, how to utilize. Pep knows how to utilize him a little bit better. I think so. You you've seen how our, our tactics change from if you look at what we we did at the start of last season to what we ended up with at the beginning of, you know, this season. You know, I don't think we ever played this many long balls last season, beginning of the season, right? So, you know, we're going over the top a lot because we know we've got such a weapon up front in, in Haaland. Um, so when teams do press us like Burnley did, we just go over the top. We've got so many, and this is such a, this is why I think this team is so amazing, especially with the back line that we've got. We can just, we're so easy. We can play three people. And then we can also just go over the top of you. So no matter what ta- way you're playing, we've got a solution to the way that the other team's playing, which is exactly what you want, right? So you don't play just one way. And I think this is, yeah, again- Yeah, you want a diverse attack. Exactly. And this is why I think Pep's the greatest manager, right? So if you look at other managers around the league, like Klopp or um, you know, Pochettino or Tuchel, they always play a very similar style and they just stick to that. They don't actually change the tactics, their core tactics. Pep's always reinventing based on his team, based on his strengths, based on- and, and it takes time to work that out. So we don't need that much time to work it out this season because we've only had, surprisingly, we've only had a few players go out and a few players go in. The, 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 the mashup of the team is not changing fundamentally. So there's not much for Pep to work out. I guess he will use the, the start of the season to work out how he can play Alvarez and Haaland together. But besides that, I think he's, he's ready to go. We're, we're basically ready to go from now. So I think it's really interesting with the long ball. So like, okay, before we get to like more long ball talk, let's talk about like kind of the second part of the first half after De Bruyne gets injured. Yeah. So De Bruyne gets injured, Kovacic comes on, and it just seems really disjointed because everyone's moved around, right? Like now you have Foden going from the left side to the right side. You have Alvarez going to the left wing. You have Kovacic coming in center midfield. You have Walker and Rico Lewis kind of like wide traditional fullbacks. It was like, it was, and you could tell like everyone kind of knew their role, but it was disjointed. And I think going into the locker room at halftime where Pep could, because it's really hard when you're a coach on the sidelines trying to like change that on the fly. It's it's just not yeah. easy. So I, I think that's why we just looked so much more organized in the second half with the same players. Because we basically abandoned our width. Like, the width was traditional fullbacks. Like, it was Walker and Rico going up the sides. Because, like, Foden and Alvarez, they were our wingers, but they played almost like midfielders. And yeah. so... And you, uh, you, make a good, you make a good point about Foden, um, you know, moving sides. I noticed uh, Foden and Alvarez a lot of times were in the same pockets of space. They were, like, overlapping mm-hmm. each other a bit and getting in, get, basically getting in each other's way. So... 
yeah, like I, that's something that I noticed. But so sorry, carry on. Yeah, it was just it was just a lot more cohesive in the second half, and then the long balls really started coming more in the second half. And my theory about the long balls, not really a theory. I just it's it's an observation. I think this is. As weird as it sounds, it's like a, a product of Pep's success in the league because City have been so successful and Pep has been so successful that there are more teams every year playing that style, playing a positional play, pressing, possession-based style. And because of that, a lot of man marking, now City, like the, the reaction to that is to go over the top because it's very hard to play through a press when they're man marking. Either your man has to beat his man one on one, or you can go over the top, or you can find pockets of space and and kind of get through the line. So Pep's kind of tactical shift to his own style, like to playing against his own style, is long balls up to Holland, and that's like you said, the kind of diverse attack that not only can you play it up to Holland to his feet. You can play it down the channels because Holland's faster than basically every yep. center back, and he's stronger, so he'll get there. And and he can do like, the hold up play just, as well. Exactly, and yeah, you can put it right to his feet, and he can hold it up. So I find it super interesting that part of it, as like Pep is trying to unlock his own system, and it's a and he's a victim of his own success that everybody's in a way copying him, and now he has to find a tactical shift to go against his own style. Yeah, that, that's that's perfect. perfect per- the best way to put it, basically, with the way Pep's adjusted to the Premier League. And Pep's been in the Premier League now for seven years, right? So he's had to constantly evolve with the constantly changing tactics and the players that are coming in and out. So for him to still be as successful as he is seven years into his reign, or eight years, this is eight, year eight, actually, it just shows... To me, he's the greatest manager to, to ever live. Tactically, mm-hmm. uh, management, all of the all, all the things that go into making a team, he's he's definitely the for me the greatest of all time. So, yeah, one thing. So this started. It's funny enough because this like the whole press like City's always had trouble going against that type of style, and it started with Arsenal like years ago. Two three years ago, mm. remember when Rod, uh, Rodri scored that goal at the end for a game we should not have won? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. That it started in that game. I think that's the first time I've seen it really. And since then, it's like that's why Arsenal gave City so much trouble. And we even saw it last year. We played a lot of long balls against Arsenal last year. Yeah, and, and I didn't. For, and I didn't deal with it well though. So yeah, so that's kind of going to have to be another team zag to our, you know, that's that's what they're going to have to de- learn to deal with is do you trust your center back one-on-one against Erling Holland? The answer for <laughs> almost everyone is going to be no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's, look, from the game overall, um, like you said, first half for me, we had a bit of sloppiness. And if you look at the, the XG that they created, they did create, I think, 03 we, we only created like 0.7, so we didn't really create that much. The second half was the opposite. We created more, so we created 1.3 to their 0.07. So we just basically shut the game down in the second half. Um, and and the performance everywhere on the pitch was better, I feel. We, we just we had so much more control. Um, and having Bernardo and Kovacic 
<laughs> in the same team, by the way, just, just a separate comment. Uh, when I was watching the game, is to me unfair. Their ball retention and dribbling and ability to to play through presses, etc., is second to none. So having two of them on the same team, it just doesn't doesn't feel fair to me. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that in the game, but for me, I was just like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> yeah, he just he fits like a glove. Like he's so good at dribbling through guys, or like just if he looks like he's in a tight spot, he just he gets out of it somehow. Whether it's like he finds a way to twist his body and pass out of it. Whether he can like dribble in between the guys, it's it's just like a weird, uncanny thing for him to yeah find ways out of almost everything. And give him a bit of time, he'll start finding those um, pocket spaces with his passes to Harlan, etc. You know, he had that little little dink uh, pass to to Foden where Foden did that nice little turn and almost controlled it and could have scored off it. Would have been it would have been a highlight reel if he scored that, but um. But yeah, he's, think- he's been looking for Holland a lot on through balls yes, as well. Like yes, I've, yes, you've yes. seen it where it hasn't connected, but he's looking for it. Yes, exactly. And to, to be doing that one into the season is is I think a good thing for us going forward. I think I feel like in a, in a you know few more games, and I'm sure he's going to have to play a lot more now with Kevin De Bruyne's injury. So he's going to be starting a lot, and Bernardo's probably going to starting in midfield a lot as well. Um, the team, the structure is going to change. Um, uh, in how we play, but for, for to see these early signs from Kovacic, the fact that he that he doesn't need any adjustment time is perfect for us. Perfect. Yeah, and I guess this can segue us into kind of Kevin De Bruyne's injury more. Like that's really key. It's a big yeah. Blow. Well, I'm I'm saying like it's really key that Kovacic just kind of fits like a glove yep. because. Now we have Kevin De Bruyne's injury, and uh, yeah, it's. Are you concerned? Not with it? Good. Are you cons- Are you concerned with? So one of the biggest concerns for us right now, I feel, is the lack of creativity when Kevin De Bruyne is not in the team. There's my concern, really. Um, I feel I know we'll do a transfer, so that either Paquette or, or and or, or Doku will come in, so we'll get a couple more players in. Um. But for me, the lack of creativity when KDB is not in the team is a little bit concerning, um, especially if he's like if if what they're saying is that they're saying it's a grade three hamstring tear, which is the same as that he done before the Champions League, which is at least two to three months, right? So he's gonna miss some really really big key games. We've got a stretch between October and, and mid November where we play like Arsenal, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, United, all in like in a row, and most of them are away as well. Um, so I don't think he'll be back for those games. So f- from a from a big game standpoint, from a from a creativity standpoint, I, I am a little bit concerned with how that injury is going to affect us. But um, there are there is some other good news that did come through. I think it was last night, where well, last night for me, where Bernardo is l- most likely signing a new contract. Um, according yeah, to Duncan I think Duncan, Duncan Castles who. Is, he has it is basically Mendez is a mouthpiece, right? So yeah, he's he's a United troll, but he is a Mendez mouthpiece. Yeah, so for me, that's good news that we know Bernardo staying now. But Bernardo does play well in the midfield role um, when KDB isn't there. We've seen it in 2018-19, and we've seen it in times where KDB is injured. What I'm, what I think though is, do we play Foden there instead, and just for that spark of creativity? Right, we need that spark of creativity. When we did it in eighteen nineteen, we had David Silva playing most of the time with Bernardo. So, 
we had creativity from <laughs> probably yeah. one of the best one of the best creators in <laughs> in league in history, Premier league let history yeah, yeah. Let, let alone let alone on our team so for me i think we pep might have to figure out a different way to play just to find ways to create um and i think you know with this injury it's basically foden's time to shine for me it's he needs to play that midfield role now so Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne is a massive miss, right? He's he's top five best player in the world. You're going to miss yeah. him if he's out, yeah. right? But I will say that it's in a position where we have bodies, which is the good thing. Because if if you think about how the squad is set up, like the two number eights, two number tens, whatever you want to call them, right? Like the two guys that play off of Holland – you have Alvarez, who's played there the first two matches of the season. You have Foden. You have potentially Kovacic. You have Bernardo Silva. You have what looks like Lucas Paqueta coming in as well. Potentially even Rico Lewis. Um, yeah. And then even if you wanted to go further down the line, Cole Palmer, James McAdee. What I'm saying is like that role is deep. Yeah. And we're like... It would be a lot more devastating if it were, God forbid, like Rodri, right? Because that <laughs> role is not deep. So, yeah. or even or even someone like Jack Grealish, where we, okay, now you have to play Foden on the left wing, right? So, it's like we're, we're lucky that that position is, and we're lucky that also like Phil Foden can go in there and play that position and like Foden is a world-class talent too, yep. right? Like that. if there's anything you would want, like that wouldn't make you feel as bad as like, okay, we have Phil Foden at least. So that makes me a little more comfortable. I like, I don't I know. Mean, I think we'll yeah, always fo- find ways to create chances and score. I just think our players are too good. Even if we don't like, I have a hard time believing that Kevin De Bruyne is the only person on our team that can create chances to score. Yeah. And 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 a good point from that is that we did create more XG in the second half than we did the first half. No, it was without Kevin De Bruyne, right? So yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm more concerned when it comes to the big games because KDB is definitely your big game player, right? He always shows up to every big game and does something magical that you just go, fuck's sake. Yeah, like remember, yeah, Kevin just so good. <laughs> like I, I think we forget that Kevin De Bruyne was injured for almost the entire eighteen nineteen season, and we got ninety nine points. Yeah, so yeah, I think was it ninety eight? Yeah, ninety eight. Whatever 98? it was, but it was something was crazy. It us? Either we had ninety nine and Liverpool had ninety eight, or we had ninety eight and Liverpool had ninety seven. Yeah, I think it was something the second like one. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but either way, like. We got that without him. So, obviously, like, this doesn't diminish how great of a player he is because he's unbelievable and nobody can do what he does. But it's not, like, a devastating blow that can derail a season. You know, it's not it's not Virgil van Dijk tearing his ACL for Liverpool and that their season's over. Yeah, their season's yeah, yeah. over. I, 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 what makes it interesting for me is how... Or what's our best lineup going forward um, in that front line? Would it be a combination of Grealish, 
um, Foden up front with Haaland and then Bernardo, Kovacic, Rodri midfield. I, I'm curious to see how Pep goes about this next two, three months without him, um, especially in the Premier League. Um, you know, we've got the Super Cup in a couple of days, right? So we, we're going to see how he's going to do it, but it's it's interesting. It's going to be an interesting few couple months. It could be more. That's a, that's my um, bigger concern as well is I feel like they're going to they're gonna take it real slow with him. Uh, you know, he, he did come back really quick and we were all very surprised at how quick he came back. Um, so I feel like they'll go a bit slower this time. So we might not see him until like mid-November, maybe after the international break and the November international break, we'll probably see him then. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure because City would obviously not rush him back. Right, like Audibly. he was ready uh, yeah. to come back. They wouldn't yeah, rush him I, back for the beginning of the season, right? Like they wouldn't do that. Yeah. So, um, no, no. I, for for me, the, 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 the those arguments of did did City rush him back now? Nonsense. No, nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's absolutely so, nonsense. Like we've we've got we know we've got the, one of the best medical teams in in like world football right now. So you can see well, how they manage even, our team. Not not even just that. It's that like this is the beginning of the season. Like. Yeah, maybe they yeah. would have rushed him back a little bit if it was for a Champions League final, right? But yeah, exactly. It's not. Exactly. It's the beginning exactly. of the season. They're not rushing him back. They wouldn't rush him. I, I just think they'll just take it slower just to give him... They might ramp it up a bit slower, but I don't think they particularly did anything wrong, right? It's it's one of those things like, how do you know? <laughs> if, it, if it's going to go, it's going to go. You just can't do nothing about it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it... I, I think City will be okay. Obviously, he'll be missed, but like you said, this is Foden's time. This yep. is Foden's time to show what he can do. Yeah. Another little topic, uh, the little Harlan Pep argument. Anything to discuss? Or just, whatever. <laughs> just Pep being Pep. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it's it's intensity between two intense guys, right? Like yeah. that's We know that's how Pep is. Nothing has changed. Like This is Pep being Pep. And this is Holland being Holland. Like, and I personally, like, Pep is correct. So he's yeah. he's going to try to teach Holland. Like, Holland wants to get fed. I, I don't blame him for that, right? Yeah. So it's it's just a teaching moment, and it's, it's Pep being Pep. He's always teaching. You know this. People forget how young Holland is as well. He's only a 23-year-old, right? So that's... It's really, really young in terms of like experience and and you know uh, understanding things and respect with from him and his manager. So he's very young. People people forget it. I think because like he's he such a towering person and um, big personality on on the pitch. People kind of forget how young he is. But and if I don't know if you've seen his response when the the little interview that he did after the game and someone they asked him about it and he answered it perfectly, like. <laughs> Kai is a machine. He, he literally answered it perfectly. He said, "He said no, it's fine." He's like, you know, Pep, you know, I love to see it because Pep, you know, Pep showing this hunger on game one right after we've done a treble. I'm paraphrasing, but basically, he said something along those lines, where Pep's still showing that emotion and and that care for the game, like literally right after we've done a treble. So to me, he answered it perfectly. It's just like whatever, just shut it down. <laughs> it, I'm fine. I'm fine with my manager telling me off because that shows me that he knows how hungry I am and how hungry he is as well. So yeah, for me, he, he answered it perfectly. He has the respect of the players, and it's it, this is a people trying to make a story out of nothing, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. 
that's like that, that's what it is. It's it's two intense guys speaking and and really having a, a coaching yeah, moment. There was one thing that annoyed me on, uh, I was listening to one of the athletic podcasts, I think it was a Total Football Show, and the guy was like, oh, it's a bit of showmanship from Pep. I was like, fuck off. It's not showmanship from Pep. It's just him. It's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it's just him being in the moment. You know, he's an intense manager. If you haven't seen Pep being this intense over the last seven seasons, what sport have you been watching? (laughs) Honestly. Yeah, like the cameras are on him 20, like if that's showmanship, then what does Jurgen Klopp do? You yeah, exactly, like, exactly, exactly. If if that was Jurgen Klopp, like, oh, look at the passion he's showing. And so, like, come on, man. It's it, This is typical Pep. This is how he manages his team. This is how he keeps intensity. This is how he's won six out of the last six titles. This is how he's maintained his intensity over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. He's not afraid to have conversations with big-time players. He's not afraid to, you know, put himself out there. So, you got to take <laughs> that side of Pep to achieve the results that we have yeah and that's perfectly fine i i yeah i think i think everything was basically said on that yeah there, there's really nothing to make out of that happens you move on it's a coaching moment anything else on the game that you want to cover in terms of last the last rodri goal um yeah another, another set piece uh rodri scoring <laughs> another goal which is good <laughs> So it's good to see the guy yeah. that scored the Champions League final goal score the first one of the first goals in the season, in the first game. Sorry. Yeah, it it was it was nice to see. It was nice to just have a fairly comfortable win. We weren't as sharp as we would be like mid season, but we're much sharper than we normally are at the beginning of the season. Like it, it could have very easily been five nil or six nil, right? Like, yeah. There were yeah. just some and misplaced passes. There was that one Foden where he misplaced it into Holland and Holland was in on goal. Like stuff like that is just you score those goals mid season. So yep. it, for the first match of the season and Burnley had like a month of training before everyone. Yeah. Uh it was nice. It was very nice. And and we kept the clean sheet with like I said, one of what I call uh, probably our weakest li- um, defensive line. It was like a nice. makeshift back line. If there yeah, is, yeah, even, even though it's so it, to me, it's still very strong. I just think that that's that's our that's probably our weakest. Like if we're playing Stones Diaz, <laughs> Stones Diaz, Gavardi, or Akin, like combination of Walker, you, you know, you just go in that game and you can, we can take on the world champions in in Europe and be fine. Yeah, you go to a CL, CL final with that with that. Um, but to still walk away the clean sheet away from home, you, I don't know if you remember last season. We every away game we'd go in and we'd concede one goal, you know. Yeah. So, so for us to to maintain a clean sheet to start the season away from home, um, you know, to a Burnley crowd that was certainly up for it, um, be unpredictable as well because they still just came out from the championship. So for us to come in and do do the job basically is perfect perfect start to the season. And, yeah, and, and Burnley Mass- Burnley looked really good too. I thought. Yeah, yeah. I thought I, they looked like a good team. Yeah, I, th- I think Burnley will stay up this season. I think I think Company will keep them up. There's there's too many other weaker teams. I think in comparison, and I think Burnley will get enough points to stay up. Um, but for me, in terms of for City, perfect start. We've got a massive game already next week. <laughs> First game at home to Newcastle, so that's going to be huge. You know, you see what they yeah. did to, to Aston Villa. <laughs> they look. They look good, man. <laughs> they look they good. look good, but also I think Villa kind of fell apart in the second half as well. Like, yeah, they, 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 they there were some weird decisions 
like weird personnel decisions. They had yeah, Tielemans they playing with, right wing and Kamara they looked with, awful. They suffered without Mings. When Mings went down, they, they mm-hmm. their shape kind of fell apart. They didn't have anyone really fast to deal with the speed that Newcastle playing at um, in the back line. So they kind of just fell apart without Mings. I feel so. Yeah, going Pal, down Pal Torres. Pau Torres didn't look great, which, you know, it's no. his first game. You know, it happens. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Mings is the, he's kind of the heartbeat of that defense. Yeah, I agree. They, they missed him for sure. Um, so, the game yeah, is at the head So, that's one positive. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really interested in the formations this year because it's not always going to be like a 3-2. It's going, there's going to be variations. Yeah. And... We've already seen it. We saw it in the Champions League final. We saw it. Um, we saw it against Burnley, where it was more of like a back three, and then a diamond in midfield, and then a front three. And so, I wonder if we'll get that again. It was there was just there's a lot of interesting things like that that hmm. I find fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Super Cup. You looking forward to it? Yeah. Uh, you know well, I. <laughs> We spoke about it a few days a tr- ago. <laughs> I know it's a trophy, but like it's hard for me to really get my heart in this one. It still feels like a glorified friendly. friendly. Nah, it's and not. You'll, you'll see the intensity how the, how much it'll be on on, on Thursday. Well, Thursday and also at Sevilla, like we could put it away in the first half potentially. Yeah, they've lost they've lost some key players um, for them as well. I think they they might be losing their goalkeeper as well, uh, or he's injured. I can't remember. Potentially, potentially. Yeah. They've got a few issues happening there, um, but look, for me, it's a, it's a trophy, so I'll, I'll take it. You know, for me, for me, this season, if I if we win the Super Cup and the Club World Cup and then another major trophy like the Premier League, it's a fantastic season. Um, so I, I really want this trophy to be honest. We've never we've never won it before, and it's always hard to win it because you like like I said, you need to win the Champions League or the or the Europa League to get in there. So I am looking forward to it, and I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I think um, so. We're still missing. We we still might be missing Stones and Diaz for this game as well. So it'll be interesting to see what lineup Pep plays now. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I wonder if Vardy old plays or not because it's I going think to be will. it's going to be different than over the weekend. And my guess is like even though this game is a real match, I think that Newcastle is going to be the priority. Um, nah, not be- Pep. Not Pep. Yeah. <laughs> Not I mean, Pep. He, he might just he'll, it might just be the same strong lineup for both. But yeah, he'll pick he'll pick his he'll he'll pick his best eleven for this, and then whatever happens, whoever's ready for Newcastle, he'll basically do it that way. Um, Pep will definitely treat this as a trophy. It will definitely will. I I don't know. I see Newcastle as a very <laughs> not not just a very important game uh, because it's a good team in the league, but I think it's. For City to kind of put their stamp down early that these Wait, teams yeah. who yeah. think these teams that think they're on City's level, you're not close. And I think that's what City's going to try to establish in the beginning of the season and try to put away the title early. Because I hope so. I hope so. I say because this every season. it establishes it establishes hope, right? Like last year. In the beginning of the season, like Chelsea and Liverpool, they just knew. After, like Arsenal goes on that run, Chelsea and Liverpool were like, "Well, fuck, it's not happening for us now, right?" And they kind of so it's kind of a good thing psychologically. Like you want to snatch their hope away, 
Yeah. You want to say like, no, you're not on our level. So don't try. And I think that could scar enough teams to where city could really go on a run and try to put this thing away by Christmas time. Our, f- our first five to six, seven games also, they're mostly against the bottom half. Um, we don't, like I said, that mid-October to like end of November is just big game after big game and we're going to have Champions League in between. I think that's when we'll know if City are just going to run away with it or it's going to be a, a tight one again. Um, so, interesting couple of months coming up. Um, and the main thing coming up in the next couple of weeks is the transfer market, right? So, crazy things have happened over the last few days. I remember when we, me and you last spoke, we were talking about Cassiota going to Liverpool for £111 million. Now um, it's 115 plus add-ons. Now, now it's 115 with add-ons and he's going to Chelsea. <laughs> so, things have changed really, really rapidly. Um, but for us, I feel like we still need to bring in a couple of players. And you made a really, really good thread, by the way, on, on, on Doku. So, I'm... Um, I'm pumped for that play to come in now. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like watching him, I'm really surprised no other team is looking at him. Like I remember, okay, so the first time I ever saw Doku play was for Belgium years ago. Maybe in a, the Euro Cup. I think he came mm. on as a sub. Like the last Euro Cup, he was like 18 playing for Anderlecht, I believe. And... He looked incredible. I was like, who is this kid? He's like 18, and he just looks like a ball of energy out there. And, you know, you just kind of forget about him. He gets a move to Ren. I know he always did well for the national team, but didn't really follow him. And then this comes up, and I just start watching him for Ren. And he's like, he's one of those guys that just jumps off the screen. Like, he's an electric he gives player. you that... Yeah, he's, he's electric. He gives you that wow factor. Very like Leroy Sané in that way, where you're just yeah. like, wow. Like, did he just do that? And he's a yep. nice mix of that, but also kind of bringing some control. Like, he's he's a really skilled and technical player. I think we're going to need a player like that to break down when teams do go. Uh, if, he, if he's got the... You know, from what I've seen, it looks like he has that electric, tight dribbling as well. So, for me, mm-hmm. that would be that would be good against teams when they're like playing very tight against us, or you know, trying to park the bus against us. I feel like he would help us open it up a bit. Um, and and it, like you said, he seems like that type of player that would just get you off your seat. So, I love players like that. They're fun to watch, right? So, <laughs> he might they might not suit they might not always suit Pep's play style in terms of like get off your seat type player because. Pep likes him to not lose the ball in, in stupid areas, etc. But yeah, I'd love those type of players, and I, I feel like right now we don't, without Mares, we don't really have a type of winger like that. So for him to come in, I feel like it would be perfect. And from what you said, he's he's two footed, right? So he can play either side. Yeah, well, he he plays either side, but also he's two footed and kind of how he attacks, and that's what I like about him is that's a very like Mares or Grealish thing. Like Grealish can go down your your side and kind of put in a decent ball with his left foot. Mares was the same way. Like Mares could score with his right foot. And so like you had to, that's why he could curl in so many balls with his left is because you still had to respect the threat on the right. Doku is the same way on both sides. Like he has a pretty good weak foot. If he's on the right and like the player shades him so that he cannot get to the byline, 
he'll cut inside and do something with his left foot, try to curl it around the keeper, try to score, try to make a play. And he's very comfortable doing it. Like he, I think he learned from a young age that defenders just aren't going to let him get to the byline because he's just so quick. You don't want him to get to the byline. And so yeah. he's learned to adjust. He's, he's only going to get better at that. And I like, I, Honestly, don't think I've ever seen somebody on a football pitch so quick. Like, maybe Messi in his prime. But, like, he's just so quick that he, he'll he beat any defender. Like he has, he's, he has a lateral quickness as well. Like, so quick. Yeah. I, I don't know how his first touch is because they just – they don't play cross balls to him like we would. Mm. Like, the cross passes. But – if he's got a good first touch and he gets the same type of treatment that Mars does where you switch it to him and he's one-on-one with his defender, he, he will destroy that defender nine times out of ten. Yeah, and which is whether, fantastic. Yeah, he just, he just makes something happen and he's just so fucking quick. Like, that's the only way. I've never seen it before <laughs> with that much, like, skill and control that Pep would want, too. You know what I mean? Like... He has the good enough dribbling where he's not going to just lose the ball all the time. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm I'm looking for. I think I think it'll be a fantastic signing. And if the the rumored fee is correct, I think it's forty seven to fifty million. You know, that's standard fee for a for a young player these days. And if if it was Chelsea, they'd be paying eighty million. But for us to get a player like that for forty seven, fifty million. Yeah, he's twenty one too. I'm happy with that. Yeah, he's got. He'll have bags of potential. So it's one for the future. If in the in the in the in the short term where he's like still working his way out, you know, most wingers take a year to, to, to find their feet under Pep. But, you know, if Foden and, and, and Grealish and between those three players will have enough to cover in those tighter moments where you want the experience and, and the know-how. But with the, all the other games, you can put you can slot in Doku and he's going to do a fantastic job and, and he'll learn on the job basically and get the minutes that he needs to, to excel in the future. Um, so for me, bring him in. I'm happy. Bring Paquetta in, and then we're sweet to go. I, th- I think you bring in those two players, um, you know, and you, I think we should be able to win the Premier League with that with, with that setup. You know, God forbid more injuries, but I still think we should be able to do it. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I would like Paquetta to bet in a little better, but we don't know how he will. Like, obviously, I think it was a little easier for Kovacic because he's a little older. He's played in similar systems even though he hasn't played for Pat, like he played for Tuchel, he played for Sarri, very possession heavy positional play type of teams. Paqueta hasn't really played in that, but it will be nice to get them up to speed just to give us some added depth this year, because we're going to need them to play decent minutes this year. Like it's not going to be just a normal first season learning under Pat. Like they are going to need to play minutes. And so, um, I'm interested. I know Doku, like, he's going to take time to get up to speed, but he's going to still wow. Like, there's going to be times this year where he, you'll just be like, who the fuck is this guy? And <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, that's uh, what I'm looking for. It's going to be fun. I, 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 love, I love watching players like that. And you combine that quickness and speed with a player like Harlan in the center. And yeah, he's going to have a fun time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Paquetta, I think Paquetta is. I think he'll be able to fit in well. Like it, it'll still he'll obviously be better in in years to come, right? But yeah, 
I think he'll still be able to contribute meaningfully this year. Yeah, yeah. No, look, looking forward to it. Um, around the league, do you see anyone, you know, do, do you, has your opinion changed on who's going to be our main title challenges? You know, <laughs> Liverpool in the mud <laughs> yeah. with their transfer strategy. <laughs> them, them trying to bargain with Southampton over a few million has completely backfired. I was very surprised when they did go in with that massive, massive bid for Cassiato. And, I, and when, it, when it kind of put a bit of fear into me when they, when I thought they were getting Cassiato, I'm like, you know, Liverpool can actually, you know, put a real serious challenge with us, right? But as soon as you remove that player again, I'm just like, yeah, they're just not going to do anything this season. They've just got too many gaps. So it depends how how they finish the transfer window in terms of if I think I feel like they got a challenge. I don't know how you're feeling about the the rest of the teams, but for me right now, it's still Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal didn't even look very good either. So I want to see more of them. But yeah. um, Liverpool. Just look, they they look like they did last year, honestly. Like, they're going to need to get a defensive midfielder. The problem is, with their midfield, is they need them to perform top immediately. Like, they need them. And Klopp is very similar to Pep in that the players generally play better after a season or two. And Mm. they need this entire midfield to be perfect immediately. And that's a hard task. Even though they're the players they've signed so far are good players. They still need a defensive midfielder, and so who knows who that's going to be. Hopefully, it's Calvin Phillips. Um, <laughs> but I, w- I would love us to sell him to Calvin Phillips. I'd bite their hand off at any offer. And, it's uh, funny. I think he'll do well there. That's the funny part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I Yeah. So, but who knows? Like, who knows who they're going to look at? But even, like, Van Dyke is getting older, and he doesn't look like he used to. Um, yeah, I Robertson doesn't look like he used to either. So, like, they have, I think, and just the way Klopp plays is, I feel like Liverpool's defense was pretty decent for a couple of years because Van Dyke just cleaned up a lot of messes. And, and, that, and the midfield in front of him was... Yeah, and work, Fabinho work was cost. great. That yeah, one, Alden, was Henderson, and, and that, yep. yeah, it was workhorse midfield. Absolute workhorse midfield. Yeah, and now that they don't have those types of players, they're getting exposed in the back, and that's a structural mm. thing that Jurgen Klopp is going to have to work out. So yeah, I, I feel I'm like, not yeah. as worried about them. And yeah, there's like- now rumors that Salah might still go to Saudi Arabia. Who, sorry? Mohamed Salah. There's, uh, there's nah. rumors... Uh, Nothing big yet, but like yeah. I saw some rumors on the Twitterverse that he may be considering a huge offer from Saudi. I, I think they considered it, but his agent said no. We're gonna stay one more year at least at Liverpool. He might go next season. That, that's that's my feeling. Yeah. I, th- I feel like he'll go next season. He won't go this in. He'll he'll do one more year at Liverpool, but then the year after, I think he'll go. He'll just get a massive yeah. offer, like like every other player, like <laughs> like Neymar, Ronaldo, etc. He will just go. And he'll Did be, you he'll see? Be ma- by the way, did you see Fabinho, that video clip? Did you see that or no? No, I haven't seen it. So, so after their match, Fabinho was, I guess, he was like walking through the tunnel almost. Or like it was under the stadium, right? And there was a fan there. And the fan gave him a Rolex. <laughs> like just, just put it on his, just put it on his wrist. Said, you had a great game. Here you go. 
here's a Rolex. <laughs> and he's just looking like, you could tell Fabinho's looking like, is this guy serious? Like, <laughs> but I don't know who this guy was. He was apparently rich enough to give this man a Rolex, but which I guess isn't Man. surprising in Saudi Arabia. But, maybe maybe it was wow. a maybe it was a, maybe it was a fake one. <laughs> it, it may well have been, but yeah, this guy he just he just like puts a Rolex. He's like, "I you did great today. Here's a Rolex." <laughs> hey, he's probably so confused. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "What's going on?" I I feel like um something that's flown a little bit under the radar is Chelsea. So I, uh, they're, f- they're not flying under the radar in terms of transfer fees, and a lot of people look at their their team and go, oh. <laughs> "I don't recognize." <laughs> it's like I don't recognize anyone on this team. Like their lineup came, I'm like, "Who are these players? Where, where have they got all these players from?" But it's a completely different lineup from like a year ago, right? So they've completely changed the team. But their midfield is scary good, man. Like Enzo and Cassiedo, Lavia midfield. That is that that is. A nice midfield, man. That it, like it's it's an expensive midfield. Don't get me wrong, but it's a nice midfield. Like in terms of player wise, the profile, the age, the talent, etc. I mean, give it a year, and Chelsea might be our biggest challenges. They they might be. They need to find more goals. But Pochettino is a great coach. Goals. Yeah, it's the they, goals that they're po- backing. Yeah, Poch is a great coach. Like they're going to build something nice there. It's just going to take some time. Like they, yeah. I think. It's considered a success for them this year if they make top four. It's just the crazy thing is is how much they've spent, and yet everybody is still like there's no expectations for them really, which is weird. Like everybody's hoping and thinking they're going to succeed in years to come, right? But like any other team who spends eight hundred million in the span of 12 months, you need to win now. Like, if City did that, God forbid City did that. If City did that with Pep Guardiola, they would they would literally be calling, like, BBC and Jamie Carrier, they would be calling for Pep's hanging if he didn't win the quadruple every year after spending $800 million. It, it, It's more. It's more than $800 million. Just, 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 just a correction. It's exactly. It's, that's- it's, it's $900 million by my account. And then that's without Lavia, without Elise. And there's another player, that a young player that they're going for, I think, that they want to sign as well. So it's probably going to hit a billion in 12 months. <laughs> yeah, and that's it's wild to me they're, that... And you might know this more than me, but just like me looking in on it, like, to me, this is just blatant disregard for FFP, it seems yeah, like. like. look, Just for blatant that- disregard. They're just like, I don't care anymore. Yeah, for, the, for those that don't follow Stefan SLB SN on... On Twitter, give him a follow. He's actually broken down um, Chelsea's, you know, issues or, or financial issues a lot, um, and he's of the opinion that Chelsea will fail FFP, and they and they're knowingly going to fail FFP. So both in terms of Premier League um, profit and sustainability, and well, they're not in Europe, but and UEFA's FFP. He, he's of the opinion that they're actually knowingly going to take the hit um, from. Whatever, whether it's a fine, whether it's a points deduction, whatever it is, they know they're going to fail. And then it's like, you know what? Let's just go all in on the failure in the next two seasons or whatever, how long these profits are going to be, you know, in massive negatives. And they've just said, let's just go with it and we'll see what happens and we'll deal with the consequences when it does come. But for now, let's just build the team that we want. And you can see the players that they're getting and they're not, they're not buying, you know, a 30 year old Neymar 
and bringing him in to no, give they're, him yeah, two, they're bringing yeah, young guys. They're bringing in twenty to twenty-two year olds that they know are going to be really, really good. So whether they cop one season where they lose twenty points or you know cop a really big fine, it's not really going to affect them because they'll be like, okay, we'll take the hit this season again, and the next season we're going to have one of the best teams in Europe anyway. So it doesn't really matter. However, in saying that, there's the flip side of it. If you've signed these players to all these eight, nine, ten year contracts. If these players don't perform, they're on these big wages. They're going to be really, really hard to offload. So yeah, and you'll have to it, offload them at massive discounts. Yeah, and then you're because and then nobody's you're making, going to want to pay for that. That's the problem. Is yeah, and then you're I making massive the, losses. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is a lot of this isn't which kind of bothers or not bothers is like it kind of confuses me. Like the re, these guys are young and they're still almost little to no resale value. Right? Like, Caicedo, they just bought him for 115 million pounds. Okay, if he's a world-class defensive midfielder for the next three years, is anybody buying him for more than 115 million pounds? Probably not. Probably not. Like, that, that that's the thing is there's, there's little resale value because they're paying top dollar for guys who haven't even really performed yet. Like yeah, it's, it's they're for me. Go- it's, they, they're young, promising guys. Yeah, for me, it's crazy. They've spent like so. If you look at Cassiata's play time, he's only had one real season under the in the Premier League, right? So yeah, to to smash a <laughs> British transfer record on him, to me, is crazy, right? But look, this this is it's very clear that this is the model Chelsea are gonna go with. You know, buy young young players with bags of potential. They already look world-class. So like, to me, Enzo looks world-class already, right? So, you know, in five years' time, when everyone's buying players at $120 million, they'll be like, look, we bought these players for $100 million and they've been in our team for five years. And to us, they're bargains now. It could become that situation. But the flip side is they can always be the complete opposite where, you know, you get a serious knee injury or a serious long-term injury or a whatever it may be. You know, you look at Fofana with his injury that he copped last season and he's, he's you know, had a few issues already beginning of this season. They bought him for $75 million. Things like that can affect your future building as well. So, Because you're not going to be able to offload those players later on. They're going to be on big wages and have high transfer fees. So you don't want to sell them at a loss. You look at the, the same thing with Lukaku. They're trying to offload Lukaku. They can't get rid of him. It's almost impossible to get rid of him because you, he's got the, the value that you're trying to get back is just not realistic anymore. Um, so, they'll look... Like I said, if you don't follow Stefan on Twitter, follow him. He's very, very knowledgeable. He's, he's, he's an expert in this field, in my opinion. Yeah, he's great. Um, Absolutely great. Yeah, he's, he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he sat on. He's, he used to sit on Man City's board in the early 2000s, and you know he's got a load, loads of bags of experience. So um, he knows what he's talking about, basically. And he's of the opinion, like I said, that they are knowingly failing FFP and they doing it on purpose, basically, just for these next couple of years, and they'll just take whatever hit they're going to get. So that's... we. I know we were talking about it in our WhatsApp group chat earlier with ASEN from 9320, and ASEN, you know, he basically said the same thing, like, I think they're just going to accept a fine and move yep. on. And what I worry about is... So Todd Bowley came from baseball, right? Like, he, he owns the Dodgers, him yep. and this ownership group, right? And in baseball, there is a salary cap, okay? So, essentially, there is a cap because there's no transfer fees in baseball. So, really, you have you have wages, right? So, 
So there's a wage cap. It's like every team can spend X amount of million dollars a year on their players' wages. And you have to figure out how to how to make that work. And then there's also what they call luxury tax, where if you go over the salary cap, then you have to pay an extra $70 million a year, right? I think Todd Bowley might think, oh, yeah, this is how the Premier League works too. Like FFP, oh, we just have to pay, pay the luxury tax, essentially, if we break it. We just have to pay a fine if we break it. Now, it's up to UEFA to say, no, 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 we're going to make an example out of you. Because if they don't make an example out of them, then this opens the door for every other team to do the same thing, right? Because then essentially FFP is, they're they're going to impose transfer caps. And then if you want to break the transfer cap, that's fine. You just pay a little extra, right? So that yeah, it's look- going to be interesting on how UEFA treats this. And how the yeah. Premier League treats this. I don't, I don't think Todd Bowley calculated the fact that he wasn't making Champions League this season. So, that, that that's a like 80 to 100 million pounds in revenue gone um, from potential earnings, right? So, that, you know, when you're planning your revenues against your your wages and your future amortization and all that stuff, you're, you're thinking about how much money you're going to be making, right? So, Chelsea have got a lot of issues in terms of revenue making, right? They, they don't even have a front show sponsor, right, a sponsorship right now. And that's... That's huge. For a team like, for a club like Chelsea, not to have a front shirt sponsorship right now is absolutely massive. That's just free revenue they're not making right now, right? And, you know, every big team has a front shirt sponsorship over 30 million pounds, right, per season. So that 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 early easy revenue is, is currently, they're not getting it, right? So, look, I feel like with whatever way they're going, they their biggest risk when they do get caught by Premier League and they give them a big fine. and So, don't forget, there's two things that they got to get a fine for, right? So, the Premier League is most likely going to fine them or give them sanctions for the stuff they've already admitted to in the Roman era. So, Roman was paying agents with like offshore accounts or whatever we was doing. So, there's that piece where that was the past stuff, but they admitted to that as part of the takeover. So, they'll get a bit of leniency in, in, in those. But the, 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 the current ones where they're spending so much, you know, these are they willingly, knowingly going out of their way to spend big fees. You know, a club that knows that they're not in the Champions League next season and knows that their revenue streams are not the best right now does not go out and spend 150 million pounds on a player and then goes and buys his backup or potential backup in Romeo Lavia for another 55 million pounds. You just don't do that. You 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 basically pull your spending in for a couple of years just to to settle the team down. But they're just going gun ho, so they they know what they're doing in terms of that, and I feel like they'll they're gonna get either a point deduction or or a massive massive fine. To me, a fine won't mean much. It ha- it'll have to be a points deduction. That's that's really the only way the Premier League is gonna go about it. If if they are serious about actually putting sanctions down for clubs willingly putting you know, and it'll be it'll be basically a second offense on them, right? So they've admitted to doing things in the past incorrectly where they've. They're paying agent fees or whatever they were doing um, uh, off the books, and now they're doing it <laughs> knowingly in the, another sanction, basically where it's like, okay, we're we're going out and 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 spending over our ability. So, look, I th- it, it's pretty obvious what what, what Chelsea's doing, um, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens the next couple of years. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I want to see how this plays out. Like you said. I agree. They're going to need to do something. And I don't know which, like, they're already 
changing the rules to try to mess with Chelsea, right? Like they're they changed the amortization to where you couldn't do longer contracts because Chelsea started doing longer contracts. They started like they started doing uh what did they just do recently? Like they the Premier League is going to mirror UEFA's yep. FFP yeah. policies now. Like that so, 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 so basically, all these long eight to ten. So, with those ten year contracts, you're amortizing the fee over ten years, right? So, you're on your accounts. You only, you know, if you're doing a hundred million transfer, you do it over ten years. You're only getting a ten million million hit per season. Um, but what your wafer said is no. You can, your maximum is five, no matter well, no matter how big your contract is. So you basically have to. Do and they change it. Yeah, they've changed it recently, but I don't know if they do it retrospectively. That's that's the. That's the no, they don't. But sure. what I'm saying is, they they just changed it like today, and that's the, because the, UEFA. You mean, yeah, yeah, or no? The Premier League they just changed it like very recently because Liverpool was taking advantage of this, and it, it was the same thing like the amortization last year because Liverpool found a way to take advantage of it. Like Liverpool would pay over a release clause just so they could amortize it out for eight or nine years. And so, and that's another thing that Todd Bowley took from baseball is baseball players get massive contracts for 10 year, 11 year deals. Some of them. So it's very similar. And that's where he got it from said, Oh, we can amortize this out. I don't care what the transfer fee is. If I can amortize it out over nine years. So this is like the Premier league reacting to things that Chelsea are doing to try to, I wouldn't even say skirt the rules. They kind of outsmarted the league and the league is now yeah. having to I, make up rules to try because they got caught with their pants down. I don't, I don't think the Premier League one comes into next season. I think they're ratifying it now. They're making the rule up to to mirror what UEFA is doing, but then it goes into effect next season. Um, but not sure if it applies to any contracts ret- retrospectively. So like if, you, if they sign... Casiero now on a nine-year contract and they're amortizing over nine years. I'm not sure that next year they re- they have to recalculate those contracts. I think Stefan said no. on Twitter. I think Stefan said this morning on Twitter that um, they will have to. So they might have to recalculate all their contracts again. So if they if they do have to do that, and you know Casiero's 150 million fee, and now you have to do it over five years, that's a 20 to 30 percent increase. On all your tra- on all your amortization, so you're going your accounts are just gonna get even more into the negative, and they're gonna fail, you know, their financial sustainability even harder. Um, but yeah, look, it's 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 a really interesting thing. They've spent a billion pounds in transfer fees, and they they'll probably hit a billion pounds in the next couple of weeks. Um, in the last eighteen months, in that in this ownership, so from when Todd Bowley took over, last, no, it's not even eighteen months, it's twelve months. Sorry, so in twelve months from last. The beginning of last transfer window, last season's transfer window, summer transfer window to now, it's a billion pounds almost. So it's absolutely crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It, it mirrors exactly what Roman Abramovich did when he first came in, and he spent like two hundred and fifty million pounds over two seasons, or sorry, one season and a half. It's very similar. And if you inf- if you do apply inflation or football transfer inflation to those transfer fees in two thousand and four, it goes up to like eight hundred million as well. So they've basically done. The exact same thing with two different owners, one being Russian, one being American, and same principles and just going all out. It's it's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. But look, it's going to be interesting how it plays out. Wow. Uh, so recent updated news is apparently 
a Saudi team is negotiating with Liverpool for Mo Salah right now. Really? Oh god! Wow! This this is maybe maybe Mo Salah getting angry at the game when he got subbed off at seventy five minutes actually meant something. <laughs> He's like, "Get me the fuck out! I'm done." <laughs> yeah, and and Jurgen Klopp doesn't look very happy either. Um, so yeah. That's it would not. It would not surprise me if Jurgen Klopp walks at the end of this season. I don't think you. I don't think he'll walk in the middle of the season. I don't think he's. Not, I don't think he's that type of manager. No. But it would not surprise me if the end of the season he goes and goes. You know what? I'm fucking done. And yeah, he's just, just me, tired of this shit. Up. Yeah, he's like, I'm just tired. Like, because you look at you look at structurally for Liverpool. You know, they've lost Edwards. They've lost. Um, not sure who the other guy was. That he he was. I think was a. What was his name? He stayed in the role for like eight months after Edwards. Like he was meant to be Edwards' successor. Like they built him up to be, you know, Edwards' successor um, to manage the transfers and being a football director. And he literally left like another six to eight months later where he's like, nah, I'm done yeah. for. And, and they didn't really give a reason why he left. Like he didn't, it wasn't like he got an offer from another club and it's like, I'm, I'm leaving to go sign for someone else. It was like, no, no, I'm leaving. And, and I think it stems from the ownership. They just, they, they, they've just got shackles on them. If you look the it's way just, Liverpool operate, they just got they put shackles on their manager. They they got really really lucky in terms of transfers um, with Coutinho and then getting Salah and Mane for those fees that they did. And basically, they hit gold in a lot of areas. And I always maintained it's like okay, when these players age, how are you going to replace them? And the way you replace them will dictate how well you go into the future. And they're not doing a very, very great job at it. And systematically, system-wise, they've just got a lot of holes. Yeah, they're Liverpool in the beginning of the Klopp era looked like a very well-run operation. And now they just seemingly look like a very unserious club. Like, you can't tell me that they were haggling over a couple million pounds for Romeo Lavia and then two days later offer 110 million pounds for Moises Caicedo. And like, and then try to go sense. back, and then they try to go back for Romeo Lavia for 60 million, and Romeo Lavia turned them down to go to Chelsea for, for less money. Yeah. And that just it, tells me that they're they're not being run in a serious way right now. And yeah. I, I think I, F- I think FSG will want to sell in a couple of years. They, they probably wanted to sell. They looked at the market, but when United were selling, and they just couldn't find. They, they knew they weren't going to get the maximized value because of United was trying to sell the Glazers. Um, but I, I I feel like they'd want to sell, and they'd want to go into like NBA or something like that. That's that's I feel I feel like that's their end goal. They don't want to be in 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 the Premier League anymore. They're they're done. They've maximized. I think I feel like they've maximized Liverpool's value. In terms of what they can achieve, and in terms of how much money they can make, and they'll sell it off. It'll, it'll, they'll sell it in a couple of years. It, they won't be there anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and if you've got a manager like Klopp, I think Klopp's a great manager. So to have yeah. a manager like Klopp and not back him correctly, see, it looks doesn't look right. I, 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 as okay. a fan, if I was a fan, I wouldn't be happy. Here, here's another question. There's, there's now. A report that Bayern is looking at Stefan Ortega. Yes, we forgot um, to mention this. <laughs> what do you? I know, and what? it says like it's it's kind of up to Ortega. Personally, I think City might just refuse to sell because it's so late in the window. 
honestly, if I was Sid, I'd tell him to fuck off. It's we're two weeks away from the window closing. Finding you look at how much um, Chelsea just spent on Sanchez, who I think is a shit keeper. Um, so he was a he was a he was a backup keeper that yeah, signed for twenty five million pounds. Correct, right? So if if Bayern want to come in and take Ortega, who I think is probably one of the, I think is better than a lot of keepers in the Premier League right now. They're gonna have to come in with an offer over thirty million, which they're not gonna do, right? And for us to find the replacement for him right now would be almost impossible. If we had James Trafford still on the team and we didn't sell him to Burnley, I would go, you know what? Let's just put Trafford in for as our backup keeper. He'll 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 do well. He'll learn the ropes. He might even become you know uh, a future replacement for Edison within the team. But, and because he's so young, I think he's like what nineteen or twenty, whatever it is. Yeah. So for for me, that would have made sense. But two weeks before the window closes, nah, just tell Bayern to piss off. Either 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 make an offer basically that we can't refuse, where it's like it's okay, it's so much money, let's just take the offer and work out what we need to do. But otherwise, no, just tell them to piss off. I, I I feel like I feel like City needs to have a like a hard line mo- like motor with their team, where it's like you once we hit a certain date and the Premier League started, we don't sell anymore. And it's the same thing with. With Saudi Arabia, right? So Saudi Arabia's window doesn't actually close to like three weeks after the Premier League. So there'll be a lot of Saudi Arabia offers coming in for players still at clubs in the Premier League when our window's closed. So it's 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 a complicated window for that reason. And that's why you just gotta just put a stance for all your players. Look, if you want to go somewhere, you set you tell us before the start of August. Otherwise, you're sorry, you're not going anywhere. Besides the players that we've already said, you, you're allowed to go anytime, like Cancelo, Laporte, etc., where they know we know and they know we want them out. But anyone that we can, we basically count as part of the first team. Sorry, you can't go after a certain day. Just put a hard rule on it. Yeah, I think they kind of told Bernardo, like they kind of said that about Bernardo. Like, look, we're not we're not even talking to you guys all summer. They said that, and now it looks like they're getting him to renew. Um, with Ortega, honestly. I don't even know if it'll get that far uh, to where like Ortega will want to leave. And I'll tell you why is because Manuel Neuer, he, he has a broken leg from skiing, right? He'll be back in, I don't know, two, three months. is my guess. And he's going to like, they're going to start him once he comes back. So Ortega's going to go there, probably do really well as the first team keeper for Bayern Munich. And then he'll get relegated to being Neuer's backup. And I think that's why there's a hesitancy from a lot of these keepers who don't want to go to Bayern because they just know that they're going to have to go be Neuer's backup. And Neuer is, what, 37 years old now? He's still a good keeper, but nobody wants to go be his backup. So it wouldn't surprise me if Ortega just wanted to stay at City because he likes it here, he likes Pep, and... He's thinking, well, why would I want to go be Neuer's backup? And yeah, it's just true. He turned down. He turned down Bayern when he came to City. Bayern wanted him to go the summer he came to City, and he he said, "I want to go play for Pep." And so it wouldn't surprise me. And City want to extend him now, so it wouldn't surprise me if he just said, "You know what? I'm happy where I am. I don't want to go to Bayern." There there is there is the argument that he is German and. He would want to go, right? So we do have. Then to he would have never came to England. Then he yeah. like but, he could have gone he, to the he, bigger he, German club. 
he, he, like, I'm just playing devil's advocate, but he is a backup right now to Edison. So, him being a backup to Neuer is probably not the worst thing in the world. It's just about whether he does want to go back to, to Germany and play for Bayern Munich. It, it's one of those things where it's like, you got to start for four months there. Um, but, yeah, look, it's, it's for me, like, if I'm, if I'm the club, I say, nope, we're not doing it because it's too late in the window. Um, but from his perspective, I, I can't, you can't judge. I think that's, that's his home country. Most German players dream of playing for Bayern Munich. It's just what it, it's how it is. Yeah, I, so. I can't say I'm judging him. I would yeah. say that it wouldn't surprise me if he turned it down because oh, it wouldn't surprise me. The, no, no, it wouldn't surprise me. That's at all. the that's the other thing too. Is like he knows he can compete with Ederson, and he knows if Ederson slips up, like he can take the starting spot. We heard that from a report from Sam Lee like a week ago that he wasn't far away from taking the starting spot. Guess what? At exactly. Bayern, Exactly. Until Manuel Neuer decides he wants to retire, you will never take the starting spot. <laughs> it doesn't matter true. how good true. or how it was like Gigi Buffon at Juventus, right? Like, I don't care how old he is, you're not taking that starting spot, even if he's still even if he's not that good. You're just not gonna take that starting spot from him because it's Neuer and it's it's Bayern, right? Like Neuer is one of theirs. Neuer will probably go into the front office next and and be their sporting director or something next. So, like, they're actively doing things not to piss off Neuer. And they're, like, so yes. Ortega will literally have zero shot there until Neuer retires of even sniffing the starting spot. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap it up on that point. And, uh, yeah. Looking forward oh. to the Super Cup. Yeah, we got Super Cup. We got Newcastle. Uh, you know what? I want a quick score prediction for the Super Cup before we, we, we close off. 4-0 City. Oh, wow. I think, <laughs> I think Sevilla sucks. Yeah, look, I, uh, I'm in the same opinion, but the way finals go, it's always a little bit tighter. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 City, um, but we go up 2-0 and then they get a, like a consolation goal towards the end, but 2-1 City. All right. All right, wrap it up. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks, guys. Great pod. Cheers, guys.